and this is Erica Glessing. You're joining me on the Erica Glessing Show where you receive inspiration for entrepreneurs. Today is an exceptionally inspirational episode. I met this woman, I guess I met her on social media and I reached out to her for a different show that I do and the topic was so interesting and engaging and sad and happy at the same time very compelling because she went through uh, sex trafficking and sex slavery and came out of it and healed and went on to teach other women how to heal and how to become millionaires in their own right. She's very uh, passionate about her mission and very dear and she's not spoken about this very often so very blessed to bring you the story of Isis Jade. Please uh, I guess if this inspires you to do something kind for someone else, then go, go for it <laughs> because it's a really amazing story and see if it can move you into doing something kind on the planet right now and help us heal. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Erica Glessing and I have one of the most amazing entrepreneurs with me today. I mean, her name just to start with is Isis Jade. Oh my goodness, right? Like just that name evokes so much interesting, uh, phenomenal success and abundance. She's been working with women to unleash that inner millionaires. I know a lot of you are going to love learning from Isis and just hearing from her and hearing her story. So welcome, Isis. How are you? Hi, how are you? It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to be in California, even in the midst of everything, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. We have a beautiful sunny day today. Everything is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I have fruit trees and apple blossoms in my backyard. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) That's wonderful. So, And those blossoms, you know how like, it's like you cannot take them for granted. You look at, if you, if you do, they're gone. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, they go like that. I have an apple tree too. It's not quite blossoming yet, but we have so many um, lemons and oranges and um, tangerines going right now. It's just unbelievable. I can't keep up with them. <laughs> Me neither. Oh my gosh. In fact, I was picking some yesterday and I was so sad because some of them had already like lived their life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I wanted to, I thought, you know, if you're open to it, um, I noticed that you do some speaking on freeing children and don't worry, entrepreneurs, we are going to talk about getting into that millionaire mindset, but I thought we'd start just maybe more closer to some of the hardships that you've endured. And I know in the pre-chat, you started telling me about it. Why don't you talk a little bit about your background? Yeah, I'd love to talk about my background. Um, My history, um, I started in Las Vegas as a project manager and account manager for some pretty major um, casinos. So I was uh, exposed to a very strange dichotomy of extreme wealth, as well as I would say extreme poverty on the other side of it as well in Las Vegas. And um, being involved in some of those major projects gave me a unique insight into what's possible because in Vegas, nothing is impossible. If you can dream it, you can build it. That's truly the mantra there. Um, But along the way, um, 
I was um, late one night while I was working. Um, I had been um, drugged um, and abducted by a uh, drug and human trafficker um, who was going to uh, attempt to sell me to pay off some debt to somebody in Dubai. Oh my goodness. Uh, I was, How old were you at the time? Um, I was 21 at the time. I had just turned 21. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And um, so I was held for about six months. Um, wow. Time period. And it was pretty devastating. Uh, I nearly died. Um, had some serious uh, damage done to my body. I was tortured and um, beaten, raped pretty much you can think of it, it probably happened. I don't have too much of a memory of that time period, thankfully. <laughs> now, were you um, in Dubai at the time or were you in the United States? I was in Vegas and I was in- They was, did it in Vegas and yep. they held you captive in Vegas? Yep, 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 yep. Oh my goodness. Yep. And um, it was way, um, it was pretty far out. Uh, the, the safe house was pretty far out on a ranch in a desert. Um, so when I finally did escape, um, I think I had to walk, I think they, we estimated about 15 miles um, in, in the middle of the summer. So I don't Holy. really know if that, I mean, cause I can't even tell you exactly where it was because I had so much brain damage um, by the time. Were you drugged the entire time? Um, drug beaten. They counted 42 contusions, multiple concussions. They, I had apparently a, a, a festering knife wound in my gut like I, they said that was an absolute miracle I was even walking or talking much less I couldn't even remember my name at the time so um, I managed to make it to a, a, a friend's house and collapse behind her bushes I did remember where she lived and she rushed me um, to the hospital under an assumed name because when she said she saw me she thought I had pretty much dead but she was scared that uh, whatever or whoever did this to me was going to find me. Um, and then after that, um, trying to get through the healing process, I, I left Vegas. I changed my name, changed my appearance, and um, started my life over again. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. When you say changed your appearance, do you mean like surgery? Uh, not my, no, I didn't have any real surgery done or anything. I've not had any reconstruction but um like changed my hair changed the way i dress changed like just you know my my mannerisms i would say yeah so. when you look at that sort of the vulnerability of a young woman in vegas what kinds of things let's just do some quick like intervention information based on what you know now looking back like what kinds of things could someone do uh, as a as a young woman, attractive, working in kind of a crazy atmosphere like that, you know? You know, that's a really wonderful question, Erica. I would really love to talk about that. Um, we have approximately, we think about approximately 600,000 uh, women and children are abducted out of the United States every year. So this is not a, this is a pretty widespread issue. It's not it's not isolated to one specific area or anything like that. Uh, sex trafficking is, I think they said, like the third largest growing industry in the world. It's massive. Um, so one of the things about intervention and, and stuff is just to always be mindful of your surroundings. Mm -hmm. uh, I, was an, I was a very trusting individual 
I um, pretty much had no fear or any kind of like uncertainty around people. So um, I just didn't even think about my drink at the time. And we believe that I, um, my drink, it was what was drugged because right. I have absolutely no memory. So right. luckily there's some wonderful women out there who are doing date rape drug tests using straws. So you can take a straw out of your purse and they change color when you dip it into your drink. If oh, it's if a cool. date rape drug or any kind of other, like um, uh, what do they call those? Uh, um, tranquilizer drugs are put into your drink you can start if it changes color you know to get rid of the drink so that's yeah. uh, something that was just launched I think on a, a crowdsource a couple of years ago so yeah and there are some really good nonprofits I'm actually part I'm not part of but I'm in a network of I think it's an it's something with an underground name in it from Utah so there are some really good uh, good nonprofits that are working on this as well Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we work with um, I work with several charities. I also work with several um, nonprofit organizations. I speak from time to time on the on the subject of human trafficking. I talk about recidivation rates. Um, I talk about the difficulty after um, getting out because less than one percent of people who've been trafficked get out alive. The, the, these rates aren't less aren't than what one percent get out alive yeah make it out alive once they're trafficked a lot of people don't realize that how how um how, how the mortality rate yeah the mortality rate and the mortality rate of a person who has been trafficked is usually their life rate is about two years they don't live very long um so you're a walking miracle <laughs> I've been called that, yes. It's a little bit humbling. Um, and I do will say that I had struggled with survivor's guilt for many years. And I struggled really hard with being seen, being recognized, because what if they found me? What if they, you know, went after me again? So the the trauma, the deep-seated complex trauma wow. of feeling that was such a it was such a difficult process. It took many, many years. And it's still kind of a daily thing for me where I have to stay in my truth. I have to stay in a place of love. I have to stay in a place of trust. And because that fear, that panic, we were talking briefly about fear. Fear and panic is something that people with complex post-traumatic stress syndrome really have to learn to um, mitigate and stay in the present moment. We have to learn to yeah. stay. Well, I just wanted to say right here that there are a lot of light workers who are afraid to be seen, afraid to say their gifts. And maybe we just acknowledge the work that people are doing right now. And the other thing that I because I got through out of an abusive relationship is if you are in fear of your life, pay attention. Don't just go blabbing like because you heard someone say it's good to tell your truth. Like it may be good to tell your truth, but it may be good to get out first. <laughs> you know? yeah, the strategy around telling your truth, I think, has to come from a place of aligned integrity mm. and, a, and a place of honor. And that means honoring and respecting yourself first above and beyond anybody else, blabbing yes. and talking. And Absolutely. I want to talk about the energy dynamic and having that kind of discernment. So when you're speaking about it, you're speaking from a place of triumph, not tragedy. You're speaking from a place of, of honoring yourself, honoring the journey, 
Um, and, and what I mean by that is we can talk about it all day long in the therapist's office, but if we don't make a change, if we don't change how we're dealing with it, and if we are making a choice to stay in a situation, um, we don't really have much of a position to complain about it, in my opinion. Well, what happened to me is just, I, I remember I sat there with my son's teacher and he was a substitute teacher and he was the, and, but it was a long, like a maternity leave, you know, like a long substitute teacher. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a book at the time about a young, about a young man who got out of an abusive scenario and his mom, it, it was very interesting because it was like all simultaneous at the same time, the universe showing me to get my son out of that house. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I actually required the, I had to get my children out. Like I, I know that I had to get myself out, mm-hmm. but I, I couldn't, it was so hard to explain. Like I going, I can't even really imagine. I think you're really valiant to go back and talk about it because lots of me doesn't even like to talk about that time. You know what I mean? You know, it, it took a lot of, um, I, I want to say personal healing and, and cause there for years I would just hide and I would do this self-sabotaging behavior where I, I would come out, I'd be really successful, really powerful. And then uh-huh. I would collapse it on top of myself because I didn't think I deserved to be seen, deserved to be heard. I sh- wasn't worthy. All these other people are suffering and look at me. I can't be out there. I was absolutely terrified of even talking about my history. I think the first time I talked about my history. So, so it happened. Me. So it took me that long before I could talk publicly about it. I had spoken to therapists. I worked with privately with therapists and healers for years because there was no way I was going to let this own my life. Yeah. But, you know, I, I have to say, you know, certain, certain individuals in the psychotherapy field tell you, you just have to learn to cope with it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't want to cope. <laughs> right. I, I don't I like that. When, when, when someone <laughs> says to me, the best case scenario is managing whatever that is, mm-hmm. I go, that cannot be the best case. I refuse scenario. that. Yeah. I said we I re- can regenerate our DNA. We can reactivate our mm-hmm. brain. We can bring in healing and new, you know, new templates. Like, there's always new energy available for healing. In fact, I remember my son one time, he was asking like um, about glasses and something about, I don't remember like, would he always need glasses? And I said, well, you know, and we know there is surgery of course. And I said, well, you know what? Uh, Who knows? Like what kinds of magic will be available in the future? Like we don't really know. No, we don't. And we don't know I'm, what kinds of healing will be available either. You know, we just don't know. And, and this is the thing that I did early on um, was I, I, and when that, when I was being told by the doctors that I would have, I would, it would be a miracle for me to survive past the age of 35. I'm now 45. So I'm a walking, talking miracle that way. <laughs> and, did they really give you that they gave yeah, you yeah, they because said- my organs were not functioning and I couldn't take pharmaceuticals. I couldn't manage my pain. I was in a pretty bad place. And they were like, yeah, you know what? Given the damage that's been done to your body, you'll be lucky. 
um, to see 35, chances are you're not going to see 40. So just make the most of your life you can. So I was a type A personality going crazy. But I also had severe brain damage as well as the organ damage. And um, because of my inability to process a lot of different chemicals, I don't manufacture certain enzymes. Uh, my body doesn't. So, so I, I'm a non-metabolizer of many different toxins and different pharmaceuticals. I can't metabolize it. It's just like toxin in my body. Fascinating. Um, so I had to learn how to like, I, I, and I just refused. I said, I'm taking hundred percent responsibility, whatever my body has, whatever time limit it decides it has, that's fine. But I take hundred percent responsibility for, for this outcome from this point forward. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm not a tragedy, tragic, tragedy case. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. I don't feel sorry for myself. Um, and so the brain damage, though, I mean, I had to, at the time, my brain damage was so bad. I couldn't remember how to tie my shoes. I couldn't remember how to add or subtract. I, wow. I had to did learn you, how did to. Did you know who you were? It took me a long time to kind of reconnect. That took a few months, like, oh, and then there was still like huge black gap, gapping holes in my memory where I could not remember things. Wow. And, um, or I would, somebody would meet me, I'd stare at them going, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> you know, they would tell me they, they knew me and it took me a long time to kind of like, like reconnect the dots and stay in a place of safety and yeah. feel safe yeah. and um, trust people again. That was another big thing was learn how to trust people again. Right. Um, but the, the teaching myself, because they told me the brain damage was permanent and I am telling you it is not permanent. You can change anything you want to change if you commit to the process of rebuilding neural receptors. If you build, you commit to the process of rebuilding. Um, I'm, so if so, let's just take this like for a milder situation, mm -hmm. like for instance, someone who has belittled for their first 40 years of life. Okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like someone who went through a childhood where their parents were mean to them or they mm -hmm. grew up in a poverty, you know, poverty stricken environment. Oh, or, yes. You know, one of my clients grew up in, you know, Russia where chocolate was like this huge thing. Like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just talking about like very human experiences of suffering yeah, and, and a really difficult upbringing. And, and what I'm, maybe you can just shed some light on that. Cause it sounds like, well, the it first sounds thing, like you're a walking belief of this can be changed. Oh, absolutely. I believe anything can be changed if you're committed to changing it. And the first thing, the most important thing is to make a commitment, being a hundred percent committed to the change, to the process. And it's as simple as making a decision every single day of your life for this day. I am going to, you know, I focus on what I call the 1% improvement plan. I think Tony Robbins talks about this as well. So every yeah, day. And, uh, James Clear wrote a book um, called Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. And it's about changing 1% every day. Right. And, and if you focus on just saying commit, I commit, I am committed. I'm 100% invested. I'm 100% responsible. I'm 100% committed to what I'm desiring for my life to creating this change, you start building up a pattern, a new pattern of belief in your body, a new pattern of belief in your heart, a new pattern of belief in your energy field. But it takes concentrated conscious action, concentrated conscious choice every single day. And when I first started, what I did was I wrote down 
on a pad of paper right next to my bed everything I was committed to changing, everything I was committed to being. So I didn't think about it so much as changing, but more about healing and becoming. So I'm, this is who I am. I'm heart forward. I am mission driven. I'm connected to my purpose. I'm connected to my soul. And today is going to be a better day than yesterday. And that pad of paper was all I read. I would read that 10 times every morning before I got out of bed. And then 10 times every night before I went to sleep. And that was just during my healing process until it became such an internal part of me that I was, you know, I'm going to lead my life with service. I'm going to lead my life with gratitude. I'm going to lead my life from a place of possibility and power and not from a place of um, victimhood. But it all begins, um, Erica, with our relationship within ourselves. And a lot of people, I've come over the last 25 years, um, a lot of people, we don't, aren't taught how to have healthy relationships with our, within ourselves. We're not modeled healthy relationships in ourselves. And so when we're upbringing in um, a neglectful or abusive or dysfunctional family relationship, these are individuals who also don't have healthy relationships within themselves. So they right, right, or they're or they're just. Um, I know, just to be really vulnerable, like neither of my parents, both of my parents had ridiculously talented skills, and mm -hmm. didn't didn't do their potential at all. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like took themselves out with either self doubt or took like my mom won an Emmy. Like I had really talented parents. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. But there was this self doubt, this like, when I look at like what stopped them, what kept them from becoming, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I, I can see that now as we're speaking and I'm just amazed. Like, I really feel like if, if you can do this where you were basically close to destroyed, mm -hmm. You know, that's pretty inspirational. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that. I have a program called Unbound that I use to teach women on how to unleash themselves, how to open themselves out, how to, you know, how to deal with that deep-seated self-doubt, that deep-seated stuff, you know, and it's, um, it, it's something that I had to learn to deal with. So I created a very creative program around how to tame it, how to turn it into your greatest assets, because what I've noticed for myself and for the people that I've coached for the years and also within my own um, career was that self-doubt is what holds everybody back. You know, it's like that deep-seated, like, mm, I'm not going to speak up in a meeting or I'm not going to, I'm not, because I'm afraid, you know, I have this fear, I have this self-doubt, what if, you know, and I feed myself these things about what if it's not valuable enough or what if people laugh at me or what if people reject me or what if people, and these are all these are deep-seated stuff that we usually receive um, programming between the ages of zero and seven years of age that kind of deepens into there and it becomes part of our uh, automatic unconscious pro survival programming to keep us safe, right? Right. And I speak a lot about survival programming because a lot of times our inner relationships um, trigger us into fear-based survival mechanisms and fear-based survival uh, reactivity. 
and we're not taking responsibility for our side of the equation and we're starting to look for things that are negative things that's what's missing in our life what's missing in the relationship what's missing in the business and we're not looking at what's right what's going well and doing more of that so right most people are too focused on problem seeking rather than solution thinking and whenever i've gone into working with teams and companies that's like the first thing i've always done was meet with everybody individually see where their mindset is at see where their heart is at see what's really what's really causing the the energetic uh, disconnect because i see feel and hear the energy fields and then i look through those things and then i bring them together collectively in a room and i help them kind of change in the dynamic of how they're interrelating with each other so that they can come together to create solutions that are more optimal for their business and more optimal for the outcomes um, for their customers and clients. So what are, what are, um, what are some of the things that block an entrepreneur from really turning it into that millionaire mindset? Like going at, cause I would say that, probably most of the people listening already do some good business. Like they already do what they love. Well, I don't know if everyone <laughs> does what they love. I do it. I love it. You know, some people are still, you know, maybe slaving away at another job, but I would say in general, my audience is going to be someone who's knows that they love to do certain healing things or they love to do writing or they're the creatives. What can we do to support them in breaking free of, sort of the poor healer, or do you know what I mean? I, and that's the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying? Um, the What I call that is there's an archetype. Um, uh, and if you've studied archetypes, there's an archetypical um, frame that we think that as healers we have to fall into, which is, like you said, the impoverished healer or, um, or the, um, the I almost call it the Christ complex in some ways, or the martyr complex. Right, and there's in some like a no, where, there's like a nobility in it. Like it's right. almost like a a badge of honor. Like mm -hmm. I do this, you know. I and I'm not. I'm just kind of exaggerating it so we can maybe just kind of open it up and like show it for what it really is. <laughs> well, how how conscious and aware is your audience? I mean, are they are they much more are they much more open? to new ideas or are they more oh, traditionally yeah. minded? I don't think anyone traditionally minded would hang out with me. <laughs> okay, Eric, I, that's I, don't, I honestly don't think so they I'm could, gonna, I don't even so, think anyone super traditional could even hear me. <laughs> it, it would just sound like, you know, Snoopy. So, I mean, I'll, I'll explain something to you. So I see, hear, and feel the energetics of what's taking place. And I see it on a multiple, multiple layers of, of uh, dimensional, happenings, I guess you could say. So uh, it, it's like an overlay, an overlay on the nature of our reality, of our 3D reality. I see all the other stuff. I get to see it, hear it, feel it, and it's a little overwhelming for me. Okay. Um, so nice. uh, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. I, I mean, I, I, but I've always hidden that secret superpower of mine because it's, it's actually like a 15th um it's a going up into the 15th different dimensions it's going up into the higher self oh yeah it's yeah. it's all the yeah. way down and so when i see yeah. things or i hear things i i navigate it and i go oh well that's interesting and so what was brought to me was that this concept of this um 
the spiritual nobility or the spiritual martyrdom, it's, a, it's an archetype that we fall into. It's a patterned response mechanism that we think that we have to live out um, because it's in some kind of a generational DNA program that kind of got locked into your soul contract that you never really agreed to. You didn't even know it was there. I call it the scarcity clause. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I've, I, I can't, you know, it's so funny too, is some girls be like, well, you know, once you revoke your vows of poverty, you're good. I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't think I did because I swear to God, I vowed poverty. I must have vowed poverty so many times. I, I must have some more contracts to read, undo. <laughs> right. So this, this, this one is like a little embedded clause within, in your, your, in DNA where you think that you it's like an, it's again, it's this unconscious, it's not really subconscious, it's deeper than that because it goes back into um, such deep ancient embedded frameworks for us that we don't realize um, that we don't have to work that hard to yeah. create wealth. We don't have yeah. to um, work that hard to, to receive abundance. It's just that most of us repel it because we haven't opened our pipelines to receive. We're give, 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 but our, rece our receiving pipelines are completely blocked. They're completely cut off because we didn't do the work there. And so when we're doing too much, anything that's too much leaning in, too much forcing, that's too much, you know, I gotta, I gotta push that two-ton boulder up that hill, the Herculean effort, right? Whenever we're doing too much of that, we're not leaning back and allowing our team to support us. We're not allowing others to step in and support our, our ability to succeed on the higher playing field, on the higher level. And what I always tell everybody that I work with my clients and even the former companies that I've worked with, um, I've always told them, I said, everyone wants you to succeed. Your business wants you to succeed. Your company is its own entity. It has its own living, breathing source. And if you're holding it back, if you're trapping it, if you're, you're keeping it locked into place because you're not allowing it to, you know, to grow upon its own divine golden spiral because you're in fear, you're, you're, you're holding it back. And so you're stagnating it. And what's going to happen is it's going to collapse eventually because you're going to collapse because you guys are both in the stranglehold. So the thing that you have to do is just let it go. Let yourself go be in a, in a space of aligned action and inspired action. And that's what creates magnetism. That's actually what creates power. That's what creates things to come to you. Uh, one of the most important things that I teach people, Erica, is about this concept known as the law of delight. I'm, I think I'm the only person that teaches this um, <laughs> universal law. It. Although I think I'd probably exemplify it. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever a really brilliant, talented person is on the scene, I call them a delight maker. And a delight maker is somebody who seeks to invoke delight in others. They create delight and they magnify that delight. It's a delight energy. It's a three-part universal law. It's the original universal law, according to some ancient tantric uh, scripts that I had read many, many, many years ago when I was on a healing journey. The law of delight says that the universe, the entire universe is wired to delight itself fully and that it's wired to seek out delight. And delight is something that is um, it, it just continually expands. It's the catalyst for all acts of creation. 
and it's the catalyst for all other universal laws. So if you delight yourself fully in life, if you delight yourself fully in your business, if you're delighted fully in service, and you're not doing this heavy lifting and this forceful pushing, pulling, and trying to do the work, you know, there's a difference between logging something and doing the work and actually being in a place of inspired joy and inspired creation and inspired solutions getting right and every single time i've taught this in business every single time i've taught this to people i say when you were your most inspired what were you doing because that was your state of flow that was your state of delight what were you focusing on? And every single person has told me, well, I was focusing on creating. I was focusing on solutions. I was focusing on serving. I was, I was right. like speaking right. through my heart. I was channeling. And I said, that's exactly right. I said, every single really high net worth individual I work with operate best in a state of flow and a state of grace. And that is just a practice. It's a deep practice. And when you're in a place in a state of flow, Erica, everything comes to you. All the solutions come to you. And one of my gifts, one of my other gifts is helping businesses and helping people enter that state of flow really effortlessly, because that's just kind of what I magnify. I magnify flow state. I magnify intuition. I magnify people's ability to download those solutions for their businesses. And so the ability to do that and the ability to help you navigate that flow for yourself is it's key. And there's some really great strategies and tools around that. Yeah. But I, I think um, one of the things that I practice to get myself into a place where if I find myself contracting, mm -hmm. because it's my belief that it's our natural state to be expansive. Exactly. And so if I shift into contracting and I can hear it in my voice, Really, I can tell if I'm screaming at my children. That's a pretty good sign. Contracted. <laughs> yes. If I'm, if if everything annoys me, like if I'm, you know what I mean. Like mm -hmm. I'm on that edge of just everything annoying me. Or, mm -hmm. You know what I mean. Like I, then I know I'm on a short leash and I need to go do something else. And I might go to the beach or I might take a bath or. And and one of the things I got shown as as we were like changing as a globe, right? You know, around this time of our uh, country's timeline is impeccable self-care not being selfish which is such like the it seems so basic but that's mm -hmm. what showed up to me as a way of healing everyone that's actually a wonderful point that you're talking about self-care and and is not selfish right the the idea of and i think this all speaks back to that archetype we were talking about was that people are so worried about being perceived as selfish that they forget that you, we are all part of the same infinite source, that we are all part of the same collective, we're all part of the same experience. And so if we're not honoring ourselves, if we're not treating ourselves with the graciousness of the same self-love and love that we would care for somebody else, and we're denying ourselves that truth. We're denying ourselves that love. We're denying ourselves that ability to nurture and care for ourselves. And what are we doing? We're running ourselves empty. And we can't serve out of an empty cup. We simply can't. We simply can't. Right. So let's talk a little bit about now. Let's take some, let's switch our audience a little bit to the people who are doing really well, but they want to scale up and lead at a bigger level. They want to get seen and be heard and, and just help more people, have more people in their tribe, 
have more people listen to their podcasts, have more people read their books. What can you share with us around that? Like, just, do you know what I'm asking? Like that mm-hmm. sort of um, willingness to be adored, I think. <laughs> this is wonderful. I love that willingness to be adored. I, <laughs> I denied myself, Erica, for years about not being allowed to be adored, be seen, be heard. Wow. And the thing is, is when really? I... Oh yeah, when I finally totally fell in love with myself and a love and delight with myself, I found it so easy to delight and love other people. And that natural expansiveness of desire to to delight other people, to bring their joy out, to help them see their pure power and ability magnifies the ability to touch more lives, to reach more people. And it becomes this wonderful little snowball effect. It follows along this golden spiral known as the Fibonacci sequence. And it just keeps going and going, going, as long as you let off the brakes and trust that there's already a divine plan in place for you. You already created it. You created it long before you came into this place and into this this sphere and into this environment. And, and since you already put it together, all now you have to do is follow the roadmap. It's already been laid out for you. And that comes from a place of deep-seated trust and faith and belief in your mission and deep-seated trust and faith in your in your message. And I'm all about that. I wrote a book called Your Mission Impossible. So you know, I feel like really big about these sorts of things. And when you embody this soul <laughs> yeah. mission. You're very passionate about this. I'm what, so passionate about how this. Did it, how did the whole millionaire thing come out? How did that come oh, out? Oh, so, you know, I got a divine download um, uh, literally a couple months ago um, that um, – women were really in a place of still struggling. And I was frustrated because I wasn't feeling like I was making the impact I wanted to make in human trafficking. And as I started looking at the statistics of what, you know, what I've achieved is unusual, I guess. Um, I didn't realize it was unusual. I thought everybody was, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I didn't realize that women didn't have um, the ability and to um, create a huge amount of financial resources for themselves to achieve whatever it is they want to achieve. I, I, I looked at this and I said, well, there's nothing that's impossible to create. If you want to create it, you just go out and create it. But people were asking me, yeah, but how? Okay, well, the how is different for every single person. Your how is going to be linked to your mission, to your message, and, and, and that sort of thing. But I really had this deep-seated passion. Well, I want to change the numbers game here. We got to change the statistic here. This is what really brings me on, on fire. You know, when when we have you know seventy-eight to eighty-four percent of women who have experienced financial abuse in their lives, when we have that seventy, what is it like seventy-one or seventy-two percent of single parents are women who have to work two jobs just to make ends meet, uh, or have a job and a and a and a business on the side. That's just, it's, it's frustrating, you know, when um, less than 1% of the world's real estate is owned by women. I mean, these things are eye-opening statistics. And I, I said, okay, so how do we change this? Right. And that's what I sent up to the universe. I went to sleep and at 3 a.m. I had this epiphany and I went, okay, I guess this is what we're going to do next. <laughs> Did you really? They were going to do this. You went, to, I was told, you went to sleep and you said, you know what? this is wrong. I am going to change this. And then you right. woke up in the middle of the night with like, aha. Uh-huh. Well, Erica, that's how it works for me. Like, yeah, so- I know it does for me too, but I just have never heard anyone else. Say so for me, I have, I receive 3am wake up calls, 3am epiphanies. So okay. whenever I go into a client's 
um, business and they give me the, the information, I see the energetics, I take that information, I go to sleep and I say, okay, give, download for me the solution and I need the solution so I can implement this. So, so download for me the info. And then the next day I have the solution, it's already mapped out, done, there you go. <laughs> it's always worked that way for me my whole life. So at 3 a.m., yeah, and, and I said, so, so, and I got this divine download that I'm to help 1 million women achieve a million dollars or greater net worth and help them magnify their mission, magnify their message, and also help eradicate human trafficking through this passion. Because when what happens when we teach men to make a million dollars, and this is not a downer around men. Men are amazing people. I, I love men. I think they're amazing. I think they're wonderful. I don't have any dissatisfaction in any way, shape, or form. But the truth is, when you teach a man how to make a million dollars, it's a it's a fairly simple process for him. But what he does, he'll go invest a little bit. He'll go to donate charities a little bit. He'll go do this and this and this. Um, but when you teach a woman how to make a million dollars, she changes community. She changes the lives of the children. She changes culture. She changes and invokes more um, spiritual transformation and she's actually lead she leads the community revolution she leads the cultural revolution and men follow her okay and then that's it. when that's when they become influenced to do more and create more but unless woman doesn't take her equal and righthood place in the world and men are begging for it by the way men want women to take their equal and rightful place in the world this this whole idea that there's some kind of toxic thing going on i disagree with that because all the men that i've met um maybe i'm fortunate i don't know uh they have been nothing but wanting me to succeed they've they i haven't ever felt really held back i haven't felt really threatened um it took me a while to get to that place but i started realizing that was all my projections onto them. And when I yeah. stopped projecting fear and I started projecting love onto them and unconditional acceptance of who they were, you wouldn't believe the transformation that happens. So it's our own inner woundedness that gets reflected out into the world. So if we heal that inner woundedness and we share ourselves on our purest level, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to feel more safe to share their purest level. And that is the transformation I've seen. And that's the transformation I want to continue to inspire and invoke into other people's worlds. That's I truly where I'm at. Isis Jade, if anyone missed it at the beginning, you can go to isisjade.com and find out more. And why don't you just let people know maybe there's something they can get to free download or is there oh, something nice. that you can yes. share with my audience so they can like just, you know, stay in touch with you, I'm sure. Oh, yes. If, if anyone you, is breathing, they were inspired <laughs> by this interview. <laughs> you can find me. I'm, I'm very active on Facebook. You can find me on Facebook under the Awakened Millionaires group. You can find me there on IsisJade, IsisJade.com. And then also Millionaires.co is, uh, is our Millionaires program. And there is a free download. It's called Your 30 Minutes Financial Self-Care Self-Love program. It's absolutely free for you to use. I have a ton of free resources in my Millionaire S group. We go in live every week to share a video. I share trainings. I share worksheets. I share activities and helping you un kind of unravel this concept of, you know, self-worth equals net worth and how to transform that area of your life so that every area of your life is changed. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank I'm beyond you, grateful. Yeah. Me too. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. 
I will talk to you soon and everyone head over. I'll put the links in the description so you can go and learn more from this beautiful light bringer. Thank you for coming, Isis Jane. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you.